0: what up Grizz Nation welcome back to another episode of Grizz 901 I'm your host Daniel Greer on today's episode we have Jessica Benson from Grind City Media here with us we get into a lot about the Grizzlies but a lot of it ends up being surrounded by the love of Memphis and it was really weird that we talked about that uh so much but I feel like that's You know, really what goes under the radar, like the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves game, which is Saturday at 2.30. Don't miss it. It's on ESPN. It will be a highlight of my day, my weekend, and there's no way in this world I would ever miss that game. But it was mainly talking about the city of Memphis and what it means to us and kind of what this team means to us and how it's different and how we're different. I have an article coming out, it will surely come out either today, Friday, or Saturday before the game, and it talks a little bit about who is Memphis. Like, what is this city? What do people think of it? Is it Elvis Presley billboards? Is it, you know, Ja Morant? Is it just basketball in general? Uh, I think you could probably lean to basketball, uh, but I think it's bigger than that. I think it's deeper than that, and so uh, I wanted to just Share that article that I've been kind of thinking about. It's not a long one, so go check it out if you have time. You can find it at theleadsm.com. You could also go check out at Grizz underscore lead. Go check out our Grizz lead account on Twitter. Uh, and just check out our profile and you should be able to find it in there. But uh, it, It's really a, an article that means a lot to me because it's simply about Memphis and the city. The city of Memphis, to some outside of it, won't ever understand it. And that's okay, and we're okay with that because this is our place, this is our home, this is our team with the Grizzlies. A lot of people uh, bleed blue, whether it's Grizzlies blue, Tiger blue, or both. You know, it's really a deep-rooted community in basketball, and we we had a chance to really just talk about that, and we broke down the matchup of how the big three of the Timberwolves will do, but realistically, it ended up being about the city and how awesome it really is, and how so much fun it's going to be to just be able to go to the game early, enjoy the rest of the day, and man, it's going to be a Saturday that much like game day, when they came for the Tigers football, it's going to be similar to that, because it's going to be so much fun, and we're going to have a good time, and everybody, pour one out for me, I will not be in attendance, but I will be watching every second of it. All right. We have a beautiful Friday afternoon. Make sure you go show Jessica some love. Follow her wherever you can. She's going to be on your TV and definitely on your radio at all times throughout this entire series. So make sure you go show her some love. You can find her at Jess Benson TV, at Jess Benson, B-E-N-S-O-N TV. Jessica Benson coming up now. Enjoy. We are with a friend of the show. She is Jessica Benson. She is Memphis's sports personalities, top 100 under 100. How does that feel?
1: Oh, I love it. Top 100 under 100. Wow. I got so much room to grow before I turn 100. What I can accomplish in these next 70 years will be remarkable.
0: It's a big accomplishment, I know. Uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. But yes, it. Um, I was thinking of how to introduce you. And I was like, you know what? Let me just make up a stupid award.
1: How about great. not on the road to Alabama and only the real ones will know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you didn't listen to that podcast, screw you.
1: Just turn it you off. You missed out. Yeah. We worked hard for that podcast.
0: The editing was amazing. Let me tell you. <laughs> it was awesome. Yes. So, uh, gearing up for the playoffs. How are you feeling going into Game One tomorrow on Saturday at two thirty—an afternoon matinee?
1: Wildly excited. Uh, this is the time where it's been building all week, and I was actually out of town last weekend. My friends refused to listen to me and stop scheduling their weddings during sports seasons, which is weird that they don't. The world does not revolve around sports for everyone. Uh, but so anyway, I missed the last two games of the regular season, missed that really fun game against the Pelicans, but then it was great to come home. We traveled back Monday and, and the first thing we saw driving to our apartment was the M bridge lit up for the Grizzlies. Mm. And it was like, oh, we've reached that season. And then to see the blue and yellow lights kind of take over the city and you just start to feel a buzz in the air. And, you know, I've lived in a lot of different places and I'm not saying no other city does playoffs great. But there's just something different about Memphis. It's like everyone collectively coming together. And then now it kind of peaking the day before between different articles coming out and podcasts coming out. And uh, it just feels like we're carrying into a really fun one between the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves. And we've talked so much about this matchup thus far collectively. I just want to see them on the court. And I just want to see what it looks like.
0: Any nervousness about it? Hell yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Absolutely. And like but like appropriate nervousness. I right. had someone tell me once like even for me as I go into my job the notion that I kind of live with is I should always get some butterflies in my tummy. Like it means that you're doing something right. It means you're pushing yourself. It means you're continuing to advance. And so I think there's a necessary level of nerves. It's the playoffs. Like this is big. Right. Um but to accompany those nerves, I think there has to be a level of great satisfaction and great confidence that the Grizzlies aren't the underdog here. The Grizzlies are the A1 predator. They are the two seed. They are favored. They have home court advantage. And all of those things can lead you to feeling nervous in a spot of comfort. That said, we know what this Timberwolves team is. And there's so many similarities between these two teams. And I think that's a little scary because when you were looking at the play in tournament, and was it going to be the Clippers? Was it going to be the T Wolves? At least with the Clippers, they have such a drastically different style right. that you thought, all right, the Grizzlies' style can outshine you know, the slow methodical clippers here, you have two teams who play. So similarly, is it going to be a matter where perhaps playoff basketball does not equate with slowing things down, does not equate with as many half court sets between these two teams. And so all of those things kind of together make a really fun and intriguing matchup of two teams that we saw really fun and intriguing games throughout the regular season too.
0: Yeah, they were two and two in their four matchups. Uh, obviously, everybody's noting that Dylan Brooks did not play in any of those, which is you know awesome, right? We can have, and we can make anything sound really good if we really want to. And so, in the end of the day, it's the playoffs. The Grizzlies have a chance to do something special this year, but the going forward, they have they have a chance to do something special every year. And that's the crazy thing about this is, and what I'm looking at with this team is this is probably the last year that the Grizzlies have not as big or not as just kind of these high expectations that are just going to take over yourself and make you so mad if the Grizzlies were to lose in a first round or a second round matchup. Like, this is the last time I really do think, as Grizzlies fans, we get a chance to just enjoy it, because I think that's kind of where we're at right now, It's just enjoying the ride.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really – good way to put it and then it's also funny because it feels like that should be the attitude and yet because of the way this team came together and exceeded expectations so excessively like yeah no one thought this team was going to win 56 win 56 games this year and that's not a that's not a knock to anyone that's just the reality of it like last year you get to the plane you get a win you steal one against the jazz and then you get swept the rest of the way and that's, that's how it ended. So what what do you expect for this year? Okay. Well, let's see if the Grizzlies can avoid the play in tournament this time around. Okay. Then it kind of transitions into, wow, maybe this team can get home court advantage in the playoffs. And then it's, Oh, wow. This is the two seed, not just the two seed, like lucking into the two seed, but the second best record in the NBA, Uh, they cemented themselves as a contender. They're playing championship basketball. They have all those pieces there. And so even though you feel, okay, we're kind of playing like with house money, in a sense that this is the beginning of a very fun chapter for this franchise. There's also a level of, all right, you're listening to this team and all along they've been trying to say the regular season is, is the bottom of our goals. We have much loftier goals. We have success that we want to find in the playoffs. And especially now given that it is the Minnesota Timberwolves and for whatever reason, national pundits and conversations continue to say, Oh, the Timberwolves are the sexy upset pick here. All that does is add more fodder for the right. Grizzlies to be like, what are you talking about? Like we're the two seed. Why is nobody giving us this respect?
0: Yeah. It was scary when I saw a lot of the ESPN people come out and picking the Grizzlies and, you know, five or six, I, I need this team to have a chip on their shoulder. I don't need them to go into the playoffs feeling comfortable like they've accomplished something. So I'm glad that there are people out there uh, giving Jaw the chip on his shoulder uh, that he needs uh, you know if not me and you we'll figure it out right we'll figure it out
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly and all they needed to do was watch that TNT post game show after the Clippers Timberwolves game where they're all saying that the Timberwolves are you know a nice pick and then I was listening to ESPN radio this morning and uh, one of their guys was saying in terms of picking like the, the most fun matchups to look out for they're like well the Grizzlies aren't aren't that great of a pick. And I was like, what are you guys talking about? You obviously haven't, I I don't care that we had the whole day dedicated to the Grizzlies on ESPN. It was awesome. And and the game at the end of the night to beat the nets and win without jaw and all of that conversation. But obviously a lot of people out there still haven't been paying attention. Now it's the playoffs. It's two 30 on a Saturday. You've got nothing else to do, but pay attention.
0: Everybody's going to be watching. All right, let's get into the game a little bit. Uh, Just a couple of questions. So they have the big three. Right. You have Anthony Edwards, Carlton Towns, D'Angelo Russell. How do we stop them? And do you have like an idea on a game plan? Like because they're seem like they're always going off against us. And that's been obviously the problem with these games.
1: Well, that's where getting Dylan Brooks back into this equation is so important. And you can't talk about the regular season series without saying that Dylan Brooks didn't play in a single one of those games because you can get creative in how you deploy him defensively. D'Angelo Russell has, you know, turned into one of these certified Grizz killers and averaging 31 points against the Grizzlies this season. Uh, You can put it on, on him. You can put him on Anthony Edwards, who's certainly a challenge in his own right. Dylan just gives you that versatility that consistently we talked about, you know, even the Grizzlies not making a move at the trade deadline. Well, the idea there was, but we're getting Dylan Brooks back. And this is where you're able to really flex that muscle, especially defensively. And then when it comes to Carl Anthony Towns, I think it's really intriguing. I think that probably Jaron Jackson Jr. draws that assignment the majority of the way. They might start with Steven Adams, but when you look at what the Clippers did against Carl Anthony Towns and, and giving him one of, if not his worst game of the season, 11 points, fouls out in 24 minutes, just looked categorically not like himself. And they did it by putting Nicholas Batum on him mm. and going with one of those smaller forwards. Now you kind of need Dylan to be elsewhere. So you assume that Jared Jackson Jr. will step into that role instead. But I think there's a lot of creativity and it comes back to, you know, this Grizzlies roster is so deep and it's a seven game series. Hopefully for the Grizzlies sake, you're not getting to that seventh game. <laughs> but Taylor Jenkins does have that lineup versatility that we've seen him tinker around with, you know, a lot of this season. And so how he, you know, deploys that himself did he show all of his cards in game one? I doubt it, but we'll get to see at least kind of a start of that early on.
0: Yeah. With two days off, uh, I would imagine that the Grizzlies are able to get more of their starters. The, the majority of the minutes, because the Grizzlies, they don't play at this game two until Tuesday. So you do have a two full rest days. They're going to be at home. So there's a chance to get your legs back before a, a game that's Tuesday. And then you're playing every other day for the most part, the rest of the series um looking at the bench do you see them going 10 deep still
1: it's one of those things you're like surely not right Right? it's the playoffs (laughs) like this is the time of year you tighten the rotation it doesn't matter I think it can be done on a game-by-game basis that's what I would expect to see and you know we've seen a situation last year where you didn't even see Brandon Clark in the playoffs but how do you not Brian yeah. Clark has cemented himself as such an important piece off the bench. D'Anthony Melton, you hope doesn't go back to a poor three-point shooter that we saw in the playoffs last year, and instead carries over with the momentum that he's been giving. Once upon a time, uh, my colleague Michael Wallace dubbed them the boost brothers and the bounce <laughs> brothers of, of Melton and Clark off the bench. And if they can if they can truly embrace like being that for this team, that's a huge difference maker. Because again, I feel like anytime we're talking about this matchup, I constantly say, well, both teams, this both teams, that and the Timberwolves and the Grizzlies, both teams have pretty decent depth when it comes down to it. So you are going to have to match that bench production. And I think when it comes to Melton and Clark, those are the, those are the two lock ins. And then you can kind of go off and on the rest of the way. I really hope we see some John Conchar minutes, though, right? Like wow. sometime in the series, just throw him out there yeah. and see what he does, like shake it up a little bit.
0: Yeah, I do like that because you do need the energy guy, uh, the spark plug, as a lot of people will be called, uh, that comes and gives you the energy. Uh, But the three players I'm watching the most and seeing what Taylor Jenkins and his staff do is Steven Adams, Tyus Jones, and Zaire Williams. Now, I have been on record to say that I think Zaire Williams, I think he's going to take a step back in these playoffs. I think he's going to be around the 10-minute mark because I know he's... I know he's long defensively, and I know he spreads the court out with a three-point shot, but I don't know if this moment is going to be too big for him. There's only one way to find out, and that's to put him out there, but I do think that they limit his minutes. But with those three, Stephen Adams, Tyus Jones, and Zyra Williams, do you see those three as being maybe the three that don't have the, as many minutes as they're normally having in a regular season?
1: I do. That's what stands out for me as well and especially if you look at the potential of the Grizzlies going smaller we saw Taylor Jenkins experiment with that smaller lineup with Jaren at the five and Brandon Clark or with yeah Jaron at the five and Brandon Clark at the four and what that means for what the Grizzlies could do I remember Elliot Perry after I can't remember which game it was but he was like oh that's kind of like not wanting to call it the Warriors death lineup of the good old days but it has some imprint of that that Taylor Jenkins could use. So when you have that potential, I think with Zaire Williams, it's one of those things where he's had so much incredible experience in a rookie season and has already been more valuable than I think a lot of fans just collectively thought that he would be going into this year. But this is where you do have to tighten things down. That said, I think one of the biggest indicators of this team all year long was the coaching staff and Taylor Jenkins ability to keep guys ready. And no matter what your role is on any given night, and that might be no role that might be being a part of the magnificent Grizzlies height bench. But if there does come a time where you are needed, I think that regular season experience of having players, you know, stepping in and out of the lineup, varying minutes in the rotation could be really helpful here once we're now, you know, in the thick of the postseason.
0: Yeah. It's going to be, Uh, Very crucial for how this matchup plays out, and I'm honestly curious about how everything goes because I think playing small is the key, Uh, but I think so many different things can happen. Uh, Let's talk about one more question before I get into a Memphis question, and we'll be out of here. Ja, what do you make of his chances against this Minnesota team? He's obviously played for the, I guess not worst, but the not his best games this whole season against them is there something that you expect him to come out and this was just a fluke or is this real or do they know how to defend him really well?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny listening to Jaw at practice yesterday. And he was asked about, you know, what do you think about matching up with Patrick Beverly and Jaw was very quick to interrupt the question and say, we're playing the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm playing the Minnesota Timberwolves. That said, Patrick Beverly does have a chance to create some chaos in John Morant's life. And I think the stat was, he shot 34% against the wolves uh, this season and was six of 17 with Patrick Beverly as his direct defender. And that certainly plays a piece in it. And I know, you know, so much has been made. I think we've almost given Patrick Beverly too much attention going into this series, but it's because of coming off of, you know, his wild celebrations and sipping a Bud Light at the post-game press conference (laughs) and getting fined and all, all of that. He's Patrick Beverly. Like, big grit and grind fan for 30 seconds of his life when he threw out that tweet and then ever since he's the one who's tweeting away about oh the Grizzlies you weren't dancing this time around and and being that little poker that instigator and then you can't help but constantly think of Patrick Beverley and some playoff experience of yesteryears and what happened with Russell Westbrook and you don't want that to be a situation with Ja. I think Ja Morant has so much of he has enough fire within him already we know this but I think Patrick Beverly is the person who pushes jaw into that next level in the playoffs. Yeah. He's been battle tested in the playoffs before. And I understand you're against the Utah jazz last season. You didn't have a primary defender, like Patrick Beverly giving him the business, but I do think where he can take that leap forward. Um, it's I don't want to say it's definite that he does. Cause nothing in the sport is definite, but it just right. feels like he's char he's charged up and ready specifically for this matchup and this team.
0: Yeah, and he's rested. Uh, that's the biggest yes. key factor, um, and healthy. That's always a good thing. Um, speaking of Jaw, uh, here here recently, I think it just came out today. Not too uh, not too long before we start recording, uh, was the Players Tribune article from Zach Randall, Mister Fifty Four to City himself. Um, i are going to read you two little excerpts. The first one is about Jaw, and I want to kind of get your idea on and take on this. Uh, it says it's a new generation, and I can't lie. I love it, man. I love these kids. Jaw, you would think he's from Memphis, the way he stays iced out. And he got that from the locks down, don't he? Ha-ha, as in Zebo would say. I love how they let him dress, the style, all them guys. They really let them do them. It's like how Triple Six Mafia says, I'm riding spinners. It don't stop. That's this crew, man. How crazy is it that Zach Randolph, one of the core four guys, one of our guys, our Memphis players, our Grizzlies of old, is talking about this new generation in Ja and the team and how they're iced out and how it's so much fun. Like, how awesome is that?
1: Yeah, it's so funny because I highlighted uh, the sentence right after that, uh, the dripped out ball and everything Memphis about it. We don't stop. We don't bluff either. It's I mean, it's incredible. And I thought that piece was, you know, I wasn't here in Memphis for those primo core four years and those playoff runs and I have like severe FOMO from it because it's amazing it's such a, it's a part of the Grizzlies chapter of history and to read Zach Randolph being so connected to this team and the other thing that stood out to me was him saying one he's going to be at all the games which is yep. great and two that he's been around the facilities a lot more right. and that doesn't always happen with Task players obviously there's a great connection between zebo the city of memphis the grizzlies but i think it's really smart on their part to bring in someone like zebo because as we have said ad nauseum this year this is the second youngest team in the nba and while there's you know dylan brooks who's the longest tenured and has been there a nice little chunk of time and steven adams brings his veteran presence while you might not have that traditional quote vet on the roster if you can get guys like Zebo in the building yeah. talking to these guys explaining the difference of the playoffs explaining how you're going to hit bumps you're going to hit bruises it's about pushing through staying focused that can add so much value to what this team is taking in just like educationally wise going into you know a series where the lights are going to be pretty bright the brightest that they've ever been on this young team and to have someone like Zebo there along for the ride i think is a really cool steadying energy
0: yeah, it's crazy. And and honestly, you look back at the guys that were there, the core four, and you would think like, who's the guy that, you know, if you thought 10, 15 years from now, who's the guy that comes back? Who's, you know, who's the main one that is around the program? And I, honestly, you could look at all four and give them a realistic, you know, opinion about each one of them being the guy who would be around the most. And it became Zach Randolph. And I know Tony Allen's been around, he's having issues and that's fine. Like well, he'll, That that'll take its figure itself out at some point, but Zach Randolph being around the most and kind of being that old vet, the guy who is the big brother, is just a it's a crazy moment. Um, And I have an article coming out uh, either today or tomorrow. It's it's, who is Memphis. It's a little bit about who is the city, and I talked a little bit about that because I think it's important to people to see Memphis as what it is because just like you, you didn't move to Memphis because it was a city. You're like, Hey, we're going to move to Memphis. Like it, it wasn't really always about that. It's usually a job that brings you here. But once you're here, I feel like it's, it's so hard to leave. And I feel like that coming from Zach Randolph, he's talking about somebody laying out the, the red carpet and accepting him. I always say it's like a puzzle, you know, pretty much saying like, this was the, he was the last puzzle piece. Like he kind of fit in perfectly. Uh, around this city Um, how 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 are your thoughts on game one playoff mode and the city of Memphis all coming together is is there something that kind of sticks out to you that makes it so kind of magical but also just like that I don't know it's just so there's no words to really put on it it just feels like it's just there's something there just brings you to it
1: no it's so true I mean this is what it's all about for lack of a better cliche like when i signed up to move here i thought why do i want to go to memphis i want to go to memphis because it's an nba city and i want to go to memphis because it is a college basketball town and bottom line it's a basketball town it's a basketball city and um seeing you know growing up and watching the memphis tigers make their final four run and i was a big ucla fan growing up which is weird because I went to USC, so it's fine. We'll just <laughs> skate on over that. Um, but then also seeing the Grizzlies uh, just continuing to like rise into their prominence as a fan of the NBA, as a fan of basketball. And so then to come here and, you know, I know that the Grizzlies were in the playoffs last year, but they didn't have home court advantage. And it, it started in Utah. The most fun game of that series was in Utah when the Grizzlies stole game one. And so it just feels like the amount of energy that is about to be in this building on a Saturday afternoon. And the fact that you can go out and walk around Beale street in downtown Memphis before, after the game, just to sit in that space where the city all comes together for one thing is so cool. Like there's, there's nothing like it. And it's really hard to explain to other people. I was just, like I said, at the beginning of this podcast, I was at a wedding last weekend in San Francisco and my friends are scattered out all over and they go, man, you've been in Memphis for six years. Like, What is it about? Like you were supposed to be there for two years. And I was like, man, I just can't describe it. Like it's, it's a wonderful home. And the thing that represents it the most is what we're about to see this weekend. Like that's, that's pinnacle Memphis. And that's what we all get to be a part of.
0: Yeah. You said Memphis is basketball. Memphis legit. Now I feel like it is the Grizzlies. And I know it's weird to say that. And it's just a team. It's not that big a deal. Uh, But it's different. And honestly, we don't know why it's different. But And we don't care. (laughs) This is the fun part. And this is what we really enjoy. Um, That's
1: such a good way to put it. We we don't care. We can't really describe it. It just is what it is. And it's awesome.
0: Yep. Well, you know what's awesome is Jessica Benson. I wanted to find someone who really just kind of would wrap up the whole season and getting it right into the playoffs. And I wanted someone who... Uh, was kind of a friend of the program but also one of my favorites and so i always have to try to bring you back and um, you didn't go to alabama this is this is great the audio was fantastic everything was great we about love
1: this. to see it it was great i am comfortably parked in memphis for i would never miss any of this so i'm going nowhere
0: it's awesome well jessica thank you so much for your time go check her out she's with the grind city media she'll be all around memphis grizzlies playoff basketball she is Jessica Benson. Thank you.
1: Thank you. See you later.